Welcome to the Menifee United Church of Christ podcast. Menifee UCC is a lively, loving, open, and affirming church. A church that follows Jesus' great commandments. Love God, love others, love yourself. A church that welcomes everyone. A church that speaks truth to power. And a church that works for justice more than just us. follow along as we give our second reading. And I don't know if you uh, have found this theme, but during the Easter season, the lectionary loves to have longer passages. Uh, So for those who are new, uh, I ask, and for those who have been here (laughs) as well, just see what stands out to you in this morning's reading. Our second reading this morning actually comes, I'm sorry, from the book of John. It's a typo here. John 21, verses 1 through 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, also the Sea of Galilee. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul in all because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, They saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of his disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished the breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because 
He had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. Thus ends our inspired readings this morning from the Holy Scriptures. Amen. It's a long passage here this morning. What stood out to you? Why does he ask it three times? Why does he ask it three times? Great question. Yeah. We're going to get there. <laughs> Great question. Yes, Jacob. Why would Jesus ask at all if he already knows? Jacob, every Sunday, you are so wise. Great question. On to the seminary you go. Yes, indeed. Why does he ask when he already knows? Good question. Anybody else? That's great. Okay. So again, here, we never obligate anybody, but we want to have a time for you to be able to speak as well. These are great questions. Why three times? Why would Jesus even ask this if Jesus already knows? And in fact, some scholars even go on to say, why is there even a John 21? Because if we finish on John 20, oh my goodness, it just concludes so beautifully. Now Jesus did many other signs. So this was when Jesus was showing up to Thomas, who was saying, unless I see the Lord, I will not believe. So that was the second time that Jesus appeared. Um, and he offers, touch my hands. Feel my side. Know for yourself. So John 20 ends. Now Jesus did many other signs in the, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. We could end John right there, right? That sounds great. That's the end. That's the finale. Fantastic. And we have John 21 showing up here. And it's kind of like being at a concert, right? Okay, who do you want? Who, what has been your favorite concert that you've ever seen? Who was it? Or what band? I'm seeing some smiles. Pink. Pink, right? You just saw Pink. All right, who else? Trevor Hall. Trevor Hall? Fantastic. Yeah, who else? Beatles. The Beatles. Oh, man, I'd love to see them in concert. Well done. Why'd you go see the Beatles? Who is it? The Beatles. Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons. That's right, all about the love fest. That's indeed, right? So, um, we go and see these concerts. Um, some of my favorite have included Cher. I know, man. Ooh, it was a good show. Um, Reba McIntyre and whatnot. I love music. And so at the end of these concerts, as I'm watching it, don't you ever find yourself that you're like, but wait, they didn't sing that song that they're known for. And of course, what are they waiting for? The pink. Have it Every in. song. Every song. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. There's usually the, the ovation at the end. There's an, 
there's an encore that happens and you think as a consumer, like, oh, we get something extra. This is our something extra in John. So there's some dispute whether it was actually written by John or if this was added on at the end. That said, the message still rings very, very true as to why we have this scripture. So to set the stage a little bit, here we have the apostles. There's seven there all together. Um, they're kind of a motley crew. They come from different backgrounds and whatnot, and here they are. So they've just experienced, oh, what if they just experienced within this Easter season? Jesus. Jesus, right. They've had the Last Supper. They've gone through the Passion. Um, they've seen, well, John was there at least, to see the death <coughs> of Christ, of Jesus. And they also witnessed this resurrection. Can you imagine the emotional highs and lows that these men have gone on during this time? Right? I mean, talk about your highest of highs, your lowest of lows. And here they are on a beach gathered together, waiting. I don't know about you, but if I had gone through all of that, I'd probably be a little emotionally numb at that point. Yeah. Anybody else? Right? You go through your highs and lows. And you're just like, man, I just need to check out for a bit. Mm -hmm. And we numb. Well, I numb. I'll speak for myself anyway. I'm like, oh, is that bread over there? That looks delicious. Um, or different ways. Yes, Jacob. I have a question for the scripture. Fantastic. Um, how do seven men carry 353 fish? Mm. Great question. It was 153? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 353. It's 153. Did I read it wrong? But you know what? Truth of it is, I don't even really think it matters how much number, as much as it was that there were so many. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that that was a labor that took a lot of effort, especially with seven men. Yeah, they would have to do that. So oh, you're good. I welcome the questions. So as they're there, they're on the beach, they're sitting there waiting. Well, what now? What are we doing? Anybody been in a wait, have gone through a waiting period in life? Yes, yes kind of similar. All right, God, any moment now. Uh, if you want to let me know what's happening, that'd be great. I'll go in that direction, but uh, you just got to let me know. So Peter, being a leader, um, says, I'm going to go fishing. Everybody else says, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. That sounds like something we can go do. And these were professional fishers, fishermen. That's what he did. And does this remind anybody else of a different story in the Bible? Yeah. Luke 5, the one that we just read a few weeks ago, that's right, thank you, oh, the arrogance of a pastor is like, please let them remember what we read, what we, so thank you, you're just, oh, fantastic, yes, so we find a similar story in Luke 5 in which Jesus is calling, and this Luke 5 is the commissioning. This is when he comes, and again, these apostles who are not yet apostles, they're not yet disciples, but they say, we can't catch anything, and Jesus says, come with me, and I will make you fishers of men. So there's a commissioning. We see this story again, and interestingly enough, as we follow these fishermen that follow this trade, 
There is never a successful catch written about in the Gospels without Jesus being present. So there's something to glean here, I feel. And how many of us, when we don't know what to do, we do something? Go back into work. We go back into doing something that's very familiar to us, a coping and whatnot. Thinking that as long as we're doing something, that we're being productive. They go out. And it says that they go out at night. During this time, the boats, which measured about 20 feet long and seven and a half feet across, um, there were a few boats that went out. And at the time, what they would do historically is they would have these lights that were on the boat. And the boat lights would attract the fish at night. And they wanted to fish at night because that's when the fish would come and they would have the fish in time to bring it to the market in the morning. So they're out all night long. They're already weary. They're already tired. They're on these boats. They're trying to do something. And man, that is not the thing that they thought was going to happen. They have no fish until the next morning. And they may see somebody off in the distance. Do they recognize him? Mm-hmm. Nope. Yes. So he yells out to them. What does he yell out? Got any fish? Right? Oh, man, I don't know about you, but if I was in that place, I would be like, wait, what's salt in the wound? Right? <laughs> like, way to point out that once again, I failed at something. Yeah, but he said children, right? He did say children. They didn't take the clue to that when he said children? They didn't react to that? Mm-hmm. No, scholars, because I looked into that too, I was like, ooh, I wouldn't like being called child. Ooh. Especially when I was at that point, but it was actually meant, um, scholars have said that it's something that was not meant to demean them at all, as much as it was a tenderness. So it'd be like, hey, fellas, um, did you catch any fish? You know, um, I don't know, I guess today, dudes or, or some <laughs> cool one, right? Dudes, you got any fish over there? No, right? I'll try children next time. I <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes. So, no, we don't have any fish. Once again, why don't you just move those nets seven and a half feet? These are professional fishermen who are hearing a voice from someone that they don't know saying, oh, well, why don't you just do this small alteration? And I can't help but wonder that if I was in that boat, I would be saying, you get yourself on this boat, right? You come over here. You know, I am a professional fisherman. This is what I've done. This is how I've made my livelihood. I don't know who you are telling me what to do over there. Right? Just move it seven and a half feet. Just a small alteration. But what does this alteration entail? What is it endowed with in a message? I glean from it. Jacob, you had um, is it basically saying like the butterfly effect? The butterfly like effect? the smallest change could affect something big? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes, it is. That makes sense. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it's fake. Maybe it's fake. That's right. To reach out and just do it again and try to trust that it's, it's going to work out. It's going to work out maybe this time. I wonder if there's such a, like, fine, you know what, we'll give it a try. 
Why not? I've got nothing to lose. We literally have nothing here. We have nothing to lose. Let's, let's give it a try. And that small alteration that you're talking about, Jacob, I would call it the Jesus effect. I would call it the God effect. That we can be so very close, but when we're not listening and attuning to what God has for us, we have the potential of just being off seven and a half. But if we take the time to hear and listen and exercise that faith, it can be a small alteration that yields the fruit that we've been looking for. This harvest, this feast, this surplus, these blessings. And I think about Jesus and how he's taken bread and fish before, and he didn't just say, great, store it in the warehouse so that make sure we have enough. Jesus took the fish and the loaves and said, let us multiply it for all to eat and to feast from. How come they don't recognize him? Great question. Why do you think? What would be some Maybe of your ideas? Maybe he was too far off. Maybe he was too far off. It was at night. It was just turning morning. There's a lot of things. And I know in my own life, I've looked and tried to find Jesus, and Jesus was just a little too far off. <laughs> Yeah? Maybe he didn't want to be seen. Maybe he there some anything, this physical form he's in front of you and there's there's a lot of the past few weeks too where he wasn't seen and but he's right there. Mm-hmm. So but maybe that's God's way of showing up but and being there for us even though we don't know. We we can't recognize it. Right. God's still very present, even if we can't recognize it. Well said, Jennifer. So there's also this other implication that comes to mind for me when we read the Easter story, and Mary sees Jesus and hears her name upon his lips, and what does she do? She reaches to touch him. And so we're also asking this question, why didn't they they see him? And how many of us in our faith want something tangible? We want to hold, we want to see, we want the proof, just like Thomas, right? And Jesus is saying, I will, I mean, I'm here and whatnot, but I'm hoping by this point we have seen an evolution of their faith, that they are able to say, I hear it. I don't necessarily need to see it. I trust it. I trust what I'm hearing. So, Pam, your question will have many different answers. It's a beautiful question. And I will not be able to name the certainty as to why they didn't recognize him. But these are all beautiful thoughts. So, John the Beloved, who I love. John knows his worth. There is understanding that the John the Beloved is also the John who wrote the scripture. So as he's writing the scripture, he is calling himself Beloved. Like, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I know Jesus loves me. Then we have John who hears first to recognize. And then we have Peter. What does Peter do? You have the cheat sheet in front of you. Mm -hmm. He jumps into the water. That's right. He put his clothes on first. He did. He put the clothes on, right, because he was out working and whatnot. And, um, dives into the water and goes in. Oh, man, don't we have both these sides within us in our walk of faith? We have the one who hears. We have the side of us, the John, that says, 
oh, I think I'm hearing something. I think, I think that's God. I think that's Jesus. I think I hear what's coming my way. And then we have the Peter of us that goes, I'm in. Let's just go. Right? Even when Mary showed up to the house of fear, to the apostles, to the disciples, she says, I, they've moved my Lord and I know not where they laid him. And Peter starts off. Peter is always the first to run in. And God bless Peter. He's so very human. Because oftentimes that's the very thing that Jesus says, stop rushing. When Jesus was on the mount, he said, I want to build three tabernacles so we can preserve this. Essentially like, I want to take a selfie, right? <laughs> and Jesus is like, no, be present. Be here with us. And then we have this other layer to Peter. So very human. Peter, what do you know about Peter during the Passion? He denied him. He denied him. How many times? Three times. Three times. Kim, that circles back to your question. Why does he ask it three times? I guess it's a symbolic. Symbolic. Mm -hmm. We have Peter who on the very last supper says, Jesus, no matter what, I will die with you. I am here with you. I am in. He's trying to convince Jesus of something that he already knows. Jesus knows that this is not going to be how it works out for him. And in fact, because he's so very human, in the terror of the community and seeing what is happening to Jesus, Peter, as human as he is, denies Jesus three times. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I would be living with such regret and remorse at the idea, good morning, day, of denying Jesus while Jesus is going through such suffering. Can you imagine the burden that that might feel for Peter? So even at the idea that it's Jesus, he says, no, I learned. I'm going in. I'm diving in. I'm going straight to him. You all can get here when you get here, but I have got to find a way of making amends for this because I denied my Lord and my Savior and my dear friend three times. And as he swims to Jesus, Jesus is there already with fish. He's already there with bread. And I take this to understand that Jesus is asking us to join. Jesus isn't saying, all your hard work, give that to me. Jesus is saying, I have what I need, but I want you to come join me. Please bring your labors. This thing that these men have been doing as their profession, Jesus is once again manifesting, saying, I am not just here in the extraordinary. I am here in the everyday routine of your work. I am here in every day that you eat. I am here to have a meal with you. And as we move forward, you need to know that I will continue to show up in ways that you do not anticipate me showing up. I am not leaving you. I'm here. Please Come eat with me. Nourish yourselves. You have had a very tumultuous week. So they sit down with Jesus with this fire. And it was around this fire that we read in the scriptures that Peter denied Jesus. The embers. And Jesus, as they, as they bring in the fish, all 153, would probably felt like 353 to these men. As they bring them forward. He says, 
sit down and they eat and they rest and they recover and they are in the presence of their God, but they dare not ask <laughs> because they have a feeling that it's Jesus and they want to show that they are learning and that they're growing. And as Jesus is with them, he turns specifically to Simon Peter. How deep is your love? I really want to know. How many times does he ask him? Three. Three. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this fish, this bread, all these other things that are going on in life? Will you take time to sit with me? <laughs> he asks again. <clears throat> what is his response? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Of course. I do love you. And then he says to him, then feed my sheep, my lambs, those who are just coming into an understanding of their understanding of God, their spirituality, their religion. Understanding what it means to be a Christian. Be with them, feed them as I am feeding you. Nourish them. He asks them again, Sean. Well, I, I like that it says feed and nourish, not go out and <clears throat> convert them. No, <laughs> and, good uh, point. It's feed and nourish, and that, that's what I've learned to be the true yes. gospel is to feed and nourish the love of Jesus. Feed and nourish. That's right. But first and foremost, they had to be fed and nourished. Self-care. So very important. Jesus gives us that example of making sure that we have on our own oxygen mask before we even try to help somebody else. Right? But yes, feed and nourish. Not convince, not convert. He asks them again. Jacob, what does he ask him? Um, Simon, son of John, you love me. Love me. That's right. And he says, oh, yeah, I know I love you. Yes. What does he ask? What does he reply? Um, where is this? Um, <coughs> is it the first one? It's the second oh, time he yeah. asks this. Yes. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He the same thing. He does. And he says, then tend my sheep. Make sure they're cared for. Make sure that you're following them. Be the good shepherd, as is mentioned in John 10. Be the good shepherd. Then he asks a third time. Simon, son of John, you love me. <laughs> That's right. He sure does. And how's Peter reacting right about now? He felt hurt. He hurt. It's angry, it gets frustrated. I just said. <laughs> Dude, I just said it. Come on, right? But there's this understanding in the scriptures, beautifully said, by the way. I'm saying, you denied me three times. I'm also giving you three opportunities to reaffirm this repentance. Help me, help you, Peter, to lift this burden off of you. We're going to do this in front of the apostles. Because, oh, man, could you imagine the tension that may exist during this point of being like, yeah, Peter, you're absolutely welcome to come be in the boat with us. Jesus. 
Right. Did you hear that he denied Jesus? Did you hear? We don't know for certain, but I know in humanity, that's a system that is pretty common. So Jesus is giving an opportunity there in the presence of everyone to say, let's address this. Let's talk about it. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you really love me? You know I love you. You know all things. And Jesus says, yes, I do. This is a restoration of Peter. And we all need restoration in our life. God, do you trust me? God, do you trust me? I heard an analogy, and I'm going to be wrapping up here. My wife tends to lean back, and that's kind of my sign. I'll be like, all right, I'm long-winded. Wrap up the sermon. No, 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 no. That is a blessing. Before you do, can I ask one more question? Please, yes. Okay, so at the end of the scripture, it says, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. Is that a premonition or a warning to his final, Peter's final um, crucifixion? Correct. Okay. Yes. So he's saying what you're about to do, Peter has been entrusted to be the rock of the church. And ooh, I don't know about you, but I want a leader who's had a few knocks. I, I want somebody to help lead who understands what it's like to feel regret, to learn from it, to grow from it. Somebody who's just completely perfect and sustainable at all times. Those are the ones that I find they don't lead with the same empathy and compassion as the one that says, I've been there. Oh, I can imagine what you're going through right now. How do we help you move forward? Peter experiences this firsthand with Jesus. So to build, as Peter being the rock is the example, and Jesus is also saying, learn from this. Learn from this, because the, the, what you're about to experience, you will be brought someplace that you don't want to go, which is eventually to death. And because he did not want to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was, he was actually crucified, but upside down. Because he did not want to have the same crucifixion as Jesus. So he's preparing him and saying, this journey is not going to be easy, but it'll be worth it. Because you will spread. You will be the fisher once again <coughs> of men, of people. You will spread. And in fact, there's, there's an idea that the 153 actually symbolizes how many communities of Christian um, communities were in existence during the time that the Bible was compiled, or the canon was coming together. So it's a maybe in there. It's just a theory. Um, Where did this goof come from that was waiting on the shore? Isn't that being, are they being fed by, by, with all these fish? Isn't that group being fed? <laughs> that is actually the, the um, that's uh, Matthew. Talks about the fishes and the loaves. This time around, it's just Jesus. Okay, next time. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that you're stringing it together. That's my hope, is that this comes alive. And nevertheless, no matter what, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. And what that means in this scenario is we're leaning into hearing a voice that maybe we don't really understand, but it resonates for us as something that's godly. Trusting that that small alteration to God, that seven and a half feet, can be the difference. Going ashore, running to Jesus, recognizing Jesus, understanding within ourselves what that feels like and looks like. And as we approach Jesus, Jesus saying, come on in, have some breakfast. I've already made some. 
Please bring what you've got as well. <coughs> then during this time, help me to lift the burden that you're carrying. Let me and trust within me that more than anything, I want you to thrive in this life. So to wrap up, um, imagine many of you have been parents. Those of you who have children, just envision a story in which your child came to you and said, you know what, I need some new shoes. And those who are not parents, I think we can imagine this as well. What would you say to your child? If they really needed new shoes, what would you say to them? Okay. Okay, okay. right? Well, we'll give you, we'll give you some new shoes, right? Absolutely. But what if you said to the child, like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go in like a week, but we'll, we'll go get you some new shoes. And this child comes back and oh, I don't know if I'm really getting some shoes. <laughs> really, I mean, I mean, they gave me their word, it's my parents, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really gonna get those shoes. So I'm gonna ask again, hey, mom, dad, uh, can we, can I get a new pair of shoes? How would you respond? Yes, I said you would. <laughs> yes, I said you would get a new pair of shoes, right? Absolutely. If you were to see your child in such turmoil of really wondering if they could trust your word on something that they needed to receive, how would that make you feel as a parent or as someone who is a caring figure in a child's life? I would be heartbroken to think, oh my gosh, you don't trust that I will get you what you need? I have the means, I have the ability to do that. And you are wracked with worry. Now, take the same scenario, and if you had a child who said, I need a new pair of shoes, and you say, all right, we'll go in a week, we'll go get you some shoes. And the child said, all right, I'm getting new shoes. My mom, my dad, they're getting me new shoes. I'm looking at shoes. I trust they're looking at shoes. I know shoes are coming my way. I'm going to have shoes, and not just shoes. I'm going to have great shoes. <laughs> you as a parent, how would you respond to that? You're dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, Peter. <laughs> right? There's a different anticipation. And I dare say, knowing who you are, knowing who I am, I would say, yes, you know what? I know we said a week ago, but you were so excited about these shoes. Let's get these shoes now. Come on, let's get in the car and go to the store. I ask you just to ponder on that. What are your shoes that you're asking for God? Right? And God is saying, come on in. I've got breakfast ready. And trust that my encounter with you is that I want to trust you and that I will give you what you need, including lightening your burdens, such as we learn from the example of Peter. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. To contact the Menifee United Church of Christ or for more information, go to menifeeucc.org. Thank you for listening.